Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans, and how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. And then he names a bunch of nations, which I will probably mispronounce, so we'll skip down to verse number 11. Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Can I pause for just a second and say that what we really need is a revival that makes other people say, what is this? What is we, we need a move of God that is so strong and so powerful that has such, that has such uh, uh, production that people go, what in the world is going on down there at that church? What meaneth this? And others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all of ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be it known, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my, unto my words, for these are not drunk as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. He doesn't leave anybody out. And on my servants and upon my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I have a, I have a, a very deep a highly theological title for you this evening, and that is, I want to preach this title. This is that. This, why don't you look at a neighbor, tell him, look him eyeball to eyeball, tell him, this is that. Now why don't we lift our hands and lift our voice unto the Lord and ask Him to bless tonight. God, we love You. You are an awesome God. You are mighty and powerful. We feel Your anointing and Your presence here right now. God, I ask that You will anoint me from the top of my head to the sole of my feet and that You will anoint every one of us to hear what the Spirit would say to this church. I pray, God, that You will descend in this place, do signs and wonders and miracles. God, come into this place and do what no man can do. Do what the work of man's hands cannot do. I pray today, God, that You will fill this place with a cloud of glory and pour out your spirit upon all flesh in the name of Jesus Christ we ask it today and why don't you clap your hands and shout unto God one more time before you are praise the Lord you can be seated tonight thank you for standing Thank you for your prayer tonight. Thank you for your engagement with the Word of God. I believe that God is going to do something before we leave here tonight. How many believe that? I absolutely believe God is going to do something before we leave here tonight. And I don't know how you have done altar calls. I don't know what the protocol is. But I will, I will, I will make this concession that if you come to the front... Uh, if you feel led and you want prayer and you come to the front, there's a chance that somebody may lay hands on you. Uh, and as much as I absolutely hate and detest hand sanitizer, before I pray with you, I will get some hand sanitizer. 
Bishop, I hate that stuff. I'm telling you. It's, it's, you. I better get on the message here before I totally lose everybody. Got an amen back there from the back row from that beautiful lady. This is that. He said, don't look for another. This is that. It was the moment the prophets had prophesied about. It was the, the effect. It was the thing that Jesus had spoken about. It was what they were waiting for. You know, Jesus told them, go and tarry in Jerusalem and uh, you will be endued with power from on high. Go and wait on the promise of the Father. And I, I think, Sister Bounds, that they really did not know what was coming. They were given some instructions. You be here, you, you go to this place, and you just wait because the promise is coming. I don't think they knew that there was going to be a sound of rushing mighty wind. I don't think that they knew that there were going to be uh, cloven tongues like as a fire that set upon each. I don't think that they knew that they were going to begin to speak with other tongues. But when somebody asked, what in the world is going on? Peter had some understanding. He said, this is that. It's what we've been waiting on. It is what Jesus told His disciples privately about in John 14. He said, I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, that He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him. But ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. And then Jesus clarified and said, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. It's what Jesus referred to when He spoke to the woman at the well whenever He said, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But that water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. It was what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 7 when He said, If any man thirst, let him come unto Me and drink. He that believeth on Me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water and then John goes on and explains so there's no question he said but this spake he of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive Peter proclaimed it he said this is that We've heard about it, but this is that. Paul explained about it and he said, Even the mystery which hath been hid from the ages and from generations, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is that. After his crucifixion, Jesus said... Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you. Go and tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. In Acts chapter 1, he goes on and he explains a little further. He says, Wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And then in verse 8, he said, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. I, I want you to see this. I want you to understand. Jesus gave them some instructions. He had talked to them about what their mission was going to be. That there was going, there is a lost and dying world that they were going to be responsible for, for seeing them saved. There was going to be ministries open and dispensations open by these disciples. But He said, 
even though you've got a lot to do, I don't want you to do anything yet. I want you to wait and I want you to tarry. Why? Because until the power comes, you are powerless to do my will and my... Oh, I've given you a purpose and I've given you a mission, but don't you dare try it without the power. I want you to understand tonight that the church is not the church without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We need a church that is full of power, that is full of fire that is able to do what man cannot do we need the power of God and we are helpless without it but with it we can do all things somebody shout power this is that this is that the church is not the church without the baptism of the Holy Ghost in fact you are not in the church without the baptism of the Holy Ghost for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body it is that Holy Ghost baptism that makes us part of the body of Christ so being filled with the spirit must be our number one priority in life It ought to be our number one desire is not just to have been filled with the Spirit. How many's got the Holy Ghost? How how, how many's already talked in tongues tonight? Just wave at me if you've already talked in tongues tonight. Well, hey, I tell you what, if, if you have never talked in tongues or if you haven't talked in tongues tonight, it's time to do that. Tonight is the, you need to do that tonight because that should be our number one priority in life. This is that. We need the power of God working on the inside of us. Why don't you clap your hands if you believe that? I was praying today and I hadn't even, the Lord hadn't even spoken to me and given me direction about what to preach tonight. But I was praying today, Bishop, and I, I began to hearken back into uh, whenever I was very young in the church, very new in the church. And I said, God, I want you to put a hunger in me and a thirst in me for your presence like I had years ago. I want to, I want to be renewed. I, wa- I want to have a thirst again for that living water. And I want to have a hunger again for the Word of God. It ought to be our number one priority is to be full of the Holy Ghost. The number one priority for the church must be to be and stay a Spirit-filled body. Because it's not about us. It's not about... uh, Now, I like what I feel. Bishop, I love what I feel when I lift my hands and the presence of God shows up. I love what I feel. How many love what you feel when you begin to worship? We used to sing this song, I love to feel what I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. I love to feel the presence of God. I enjoy it. It It is wonderful. But we don't come to church because we feel good when we come to church. It's not the purpose of the church to just come together and feel some goosebumps and get happy and feel some joy. The church has a purpose and it's beyond us we are here for a purpose we need the presence of God moving among us so that when sinners come in the door when people that have problems when people that are in situations that man cannot fix we've got a presence of God that shows up amongst us that can do what we cannot do brother Pat I I think about whenever I, I believe it was whenever Solomon yeah Solomon 
finished the dedication of the temple. And it says that after he offered sacrifice on top of sacrifice, and the finished dedication, it was done, they dedicated the temple. It says, Brother Pat, that a cloud came in the temple that the ministers could not minister in that place. What happened? It was the presence of God that showed up and did what man cannot do. And so our number one priority should be to be and stay a spirit-filled body. That's why worship is so important. Because it creates an atmosphere where God can work amongst us. I may have shared this before, but I will, I will share it again. The Bible says that God dwelleth in the presence of... I'm sorry. God inhabiteth the praises of His people. You heard that. God inhabits the praises of His people. We can sit here, uh, and, and this is this is not. I'm, I'm not talking about anybody in particular, no one. But you can sit here with your mouth closed and your your hands folded in your lap, and you can make it through a service, and you may never feel anything. But I promise you, if you lift your hands and you just say hallelujah a couple of times, there is something that shows up that is supernatural. It's not natural. It's not man's emotion. It's not something that we just churn up that that hey we can we can create on our own. But whenever we begin to worship Him, there is something from another world that shows up in our midst. We need an atmosphere where God can work. God inhabiteth the praises of His people. That word inhabiteth literally means He is enthroned by the praises of His people. Let me give you something here real quick. If you don't praise, He's not on your throne. If you're not willing to worship, you are not putting Him on the throne of your life. There's going to be something on the throne of your life. It's either going to be the flesh or it's going to be Jesus Christ. And when we begin to praise Him, we put Him where He is supposed to be. And whenever He is on the throne, anything is possible. When we put Him on the throne and He is in charge, hell's got to back up and demons have to flee because we put Jesus on the throne of our lives. Oh, I wish somebody clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. We've got to make an atmosphere where Jesus is in charge, where Jesus is on the throne. Oh, yes. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye people. Praise God. I, I, I love the song that we sung, and I can't remember the lyrics, but it said something about making a loud noise. Make His praise louder. Can I tell you that this thing started with the sound of a rushing mighty wind and it's going to end with the sound of a trumpet and the shout of God so we might as well just be loud in the middle. Bishop, I believe that shout during the rapture is going to be so loud it'll wake the dead. My Lord, Pastor, you got that sound turned up so loud it'll wake the dead. That's what we're trying to do. Hallelujah. There's something that happens whenever we fill our lungs and begin to give praise with our voice. There's a reason that the walls of Jericho fell at a shout. There is a reason that that happened. When we begin to give Him praise, it said, let everything that hath... Not everything that hath hands. Not everything that hath feet. Everything that hath breath, praise ye the Lord. Amen. Clap your hands unto God and 
shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Why don't we try that right now? Why don't we clap our hands and shout hallelujah. I thank you, Jesus. God, I'm so thankful for what you've done in my life. Hallelujah. God, I love what I feel when I get in your presence. We've got to be a spirit-filled church That's why worship is so important. That's why personal prayer is so important that whenever we come into the house of God together, we can make an instant connection with the Lord. That's why pre-service prayer is so important. Because when we pray, here's what happens when we don't pray. Can I just be real right now? I like to say it here because they're tired of me. They're tired of hearing it from me in Lewisburg. Because when you come into church... And you haven't prayed yet. It's like, it's like when those disciples came into the, what we now call the Last Supper and they all had dirty feet. They had the junk of this world attached to them. And before the feast could go on, Jesus said, you know what we need to do? We need to clean some stuff up. We need, to, we need to wash some contamination off of you before we can go any further. I'm telling you that whenever we come to church and we don't stop by a prayer room and we don't find an altar before we get there, we come in with all kinds of stuff attached to us. We come in with, with, with arguments with mama and we come, on, we come in with, with uh, the stuff at work that happened that, and we come in with, we walk through the, the, uh, the aisle at the grocery store and we saw stuff on the covers of magazines that nobody should ever see, but it's right there in the, in the aisle at Kroger's. We, we come in with all that stuff attached to us. We come in with words ringing in our head that we never should have heard. And we come in here and we try to worship a holy God. But what we really need to do is before we can step into the holiest of holies, we need to stop by an altar and we need to burn some stuff out of us. And we need to step by a laver of water and we need to wash some stuff off of us because then we can step into the presence of God. I am imploring you that it is important to pray before service because we're here for a purpose. We are here for a purpose. It is so that the drug addict can come and find deliverance. I know that we live in a world that says that once you're you're an addict or once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. But I personally know people that used to be alcoholics and they aren't anymore. I personally know people that were drug addicts, but they're not anymore. And it wasn't from a 21-step program. It was however many steps it took to get to the altar and then the presence of God fell on them. Hey, it wasn't because some man prayed. It wasn't because of great preaching it was because of the presence of God this is that oh we need to be hungry for the presence of God we need to be hungry for a Pentecost among us this is that marriage problems I got news for you there's one that's called the wonderful counselor this you don't need you don't need a a, a TED talk from Dr. Phil you don't need to read another book what you need is the presence of God because he's a greater counselor he is able to bind up the broken heart this is that if you've got depression the joy of the Lord is your strength and this is that if you're suicidal he said I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly this is that if you've got anxiety he is the prince of peace he gives peace that passeth understanding he said the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but it is righteousness and peace and joy In the Holy Ghost, this is that.
oh God, we need your presence more than anything. We need your presence more than we need breath. We need your presence more than we need food. We need your presence. If you're fearful, i got a promise for you, and that is that perfect love casteth out all fear, and He is love. This is that. If you're searching for something like that woman at the well who had five husbands plus one, it's, I want you to know that this is that. There are people that are hungry. There are people that are looking for something, and they don't even know what they're looking yeah. for. But I'm going to tell you, this is that. If you grew up in a broken home or you grew up in an abusive home, I don't have a fix for you, but I know the one that does have a fix for you. I know the one who can bind up the brokenhearted. I know the one that can heal every wound. I know the one who can wrap his arms around you and say, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. There's nobody that will love you like Jesus will love you. There's nobody that will care for you like Jesus will care for you. This is that. you lack direction in your life, lack understanding, and you're going through something and you don't understand, I want you to know there's a God who says, I am the counselor. I am the one that is a... Hey, can I tell you that in the presence of God there's revelation and whenever you're confused and you don't know which way to turn and you don't know what's going on, Paul said this, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love them. In other words, he says there's just some stuff that we don't see, there's just some stuff that we don't know. But he said this, but God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. And when you are confused and you don't understand, God can give you illumination. God can cause His light of revelation to shine in your... Can I tell you that revelation isn't just for preachers to preach a good message? The revelation, you, you can get on your face before God and say, God, I need you. I need that. He can shine a light into your understanding standing so that all of a sudden it's there's clarity all of a sudden there's understanding this is that we need his presence so desperately clap your hands unto him one more time You can be seated. I'll let you know tonight that I don't intend to be controversial, but this world needs a Pentecost more than ever before. This world needs this more than ever before. So you can pick your hot button topic, whether it's anger or rage or racism, whatever division is, is trying to be foisted upon this world. I want you to know that this is that which the world needs. Galatians says this, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. When you are baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ, it doesn't matter what your background was, it doesn't matter where you came from, it doesn't matter what you were before, all of a sudden we're all related. He says, now are we the sons of God. Now, hey, it doesn't... 
I, I, I used to be Charlie and Joan's son. I guess I still am. But I'm also a son of God. I've been baptized into this body and you're my brother and you're my sister and we are all one in Christ. All of our world would get a revelation. And I don't know that our world will ever get a revelation, but people can walk through these doors and they can get a revelation that this is that. And it doesn't matter what your political uh, leaning is. I don't care if you're liberal or conservative. I don't care if Donald Trump is your president. What I care about is Jesus Christ, your Lord, because that's what we're going to be judged by. It's Jesus, because if we have that, we are one people. Give him praise for something that transcends human understanding. Give him praise for something that transcends this world's thought process. Give him. I know we got a lot of problems in this world, but Jesus said, I have overcome the world. This is that. Oh, we ought to tear some walls down right now. We ought to tear some walls down in praise right now. The church doesn't need to protest. The church needs to praise. The church doesn't need to protest. The church needs to get in the presence of God because this is that which can fix every problem. It can change every heart. Because you can talk about racism or you can talk about wrath. You can talk about murder and anger and all these things that plague society and protests won't change it because it's a matter of heart. And protests don't change. Protests can change policy. But protest cannot change a man's heart. But Ezekiel 20, 36, 26 says, A new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. Jeremiah, God says to him, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. And after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. And I will write them in their hearts. And, they, and I will be their God. And they shall be my people. There, there are, hey, we're born with a wicked heart. We are born with a wicked heart. But Jesus is willing to give us a heart transplant. Jesus can take away the stony heart out of our flesh and give us a heart of flesh. He's willing to write His his laws in our heart. So, Bishop, there's love there that wasn't there before I got the Holy Ghost. And I love people that I never would have loved before I got the Holy Ghost. This is that... It is the one great unifier. It's the presence of God. I know a preacher, and I know that I'm, I'm, I'm preaching longer than I usually do, but I know a preacher that he has a man in his church that is a former Black Panther, and he has a man in his church that is a former KKK member, and they are best friends. What does that? This is that. 
presence of God, the Holy Ghost working in a man's life. That's what changes the heart. Oh, hallelujah. Can we clap our hands unto the Lord and go ahead and stand to your feet tonight? Oh, Praise him a little bit. Praise him a little bit. God, we invite you in this place to do your will. We invite you in this place to do exactly what you want to do. We invite you in this place. Lift, if you believe it, if you, if you receive it, lift your hands right now to let God know I am open to what you want to do in my life. I am open, oh God. I need your presence. I need you to operate on me a little bit. I need your help tonight. I know that tonight we have come in here from a multitude of places and a multitude of mindsets. There are some of you that are heartbroken. There are some of you that are confused. There are some of you, I don't know, I don't want to label people, but there, but we've come in here with issues and we've come in here confused and we've come in here in all sorts of cases. But I want you to know that Jesus is here. And when Jesus shows up, anything can happen. And when Jesus shows up, He's not the author of confusion. And if he's not the author of confusion, he must be the author of peace and he must be the author of direction. I'm telling you tonight, Jesus stood up and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I'm telling you tonight that if you have come in here with a broken heart, the spirit of God and the anointing is here for your broken heart. The spirit of God and anointing is here for your confusion. The spirit of God and the anointing is here to to send you peace and help in time of need. He is the comforter. He is the friend that sticks closer to a brother. He is the one that said, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. But I will be with you always even unto the end. This is the altar call tonight. And that is, I want to tell this church that we need a Pentecost like never before. We need a personal Pentecost and a corporate Pentecost like never before. If you need something in your life that only God can do, I invite you to lift your hands unto the Lord. If you want to come to this altar, you can. But I invite you to lift your hands unto the Lord and let Him know, God, I need you.